Well, brothers and sisters, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them and turn to page 2. Genesis chapter 2. If you have trouble finding it, just ask your neighbor. Genesis chapter 2. And while you turn there, I'll say a few things. Have you ever noticed in our lives we're continually trying to take control? To take control of time. Every new year, as I've mentioned before, we begin with a whole new set of resolutions to try and control time and the time we have been allotted. We seek to start good habits, to order our days, to be more productive with our lives, that we might orient the totality of our life in a healthy way, not only for ourselves, but for our families and for those in our, around us, in our communities. It's a desire that's wrought from the very beginning of creation. The orchestration of our days. Two major foundations are set in showing us the living of the Christian life, just the, the life of men in this world. And it's set forth in Genesis 1, and it began with Genesis 2. And the two rhythms that fall into how man is to live and move and have his being is obviously working for the glory of God in six days and resting in the seventh. Work and rest become how we are to live our lives, but you can only rest properly if you work properly. And here as we approach the second chapter, we hear the calling of creation to us. As men made in God's image, we hear the calling of creation to us of what the psalmist says, Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to, order our, uh, to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. We learn to number our days from the very beginning of creation. And it teaches us how to live for God's glory. And so let me uh, pray. And I'm going to read Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to jump in. Uh, to the passage together. But let's, let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, uh, how we need your Holy Spirit. Uh, we are in great need for Him to come and cause the Word to bear fruit in our own lives. Lord, we confess that each of us does not live as we ought to live. We do not live as we were made to live. And so we do pray. Holy Spirit, come and use the simple word of Genesis 2 to not only convict, but by your Holy Spirit to change your people. That we might honor Christ with our days. And that we might love Him for what He has accomplished for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord reads... Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all His work. 
that he had done in creation. Amen. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of God endures forever. Well, brothers and sisters, today I have a proposition and two points which are in your bulletins for you. The proposition carrying on a title that our senior had posted previously, Behold Your God. Behold your God resting upon a particular day, verses 1 and 2. And behold your God blessing a particular day. Behold your God resting upon a particular day and blessing a particular day. So let us behold our God resting upon a particular day. See how verse 1 of chapter 2 begins. Verse 1 begins, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. Notice what verse 1 echoes forth to you and I. It is a truth to grab. The heavens and the earth were completed. And this is key. A key part of Genesis 1, and here as he concludes the creation in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, is recognizing this one point about the character of God. That he did it by himself. That whether it was day one or uh, through day six, the totality of creation was made without the help of anyone else. When it says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host, it is actually, the word for finish is he. Third person, masculine, singular, by himself, finished the heavens and the earth. God did it without anyone's help. He began and he finishes. Now, incredibly, Moses adds a point for you in verse 1. Did you see it? The heavens and the earth were finished. Well, you say, yes, we got that, Moses. But he adds that little phrase. And all the hosts of them. Now, host is typically this word for armies, right? It is the word when you say the king and his hosts came against the city. It is the armies of the king. But here, host is applied to both the heavens and the earth. He adds this phrase to tell you, signifying the world and everything in it, and the sky and everything in it, with all its grandeur, was furnished in these six days. One commentator notes this. He says, would be empty and dismantled palace. If the earth were destitute of animals, trees, and plants, and barren wastes, would have the appearance of a poor and deserted house. God, therefore, did not cease from the work of creation of the world till he had completed it in every part. And you get it from the small phrase, and all the hosts of them. God created everything, whether in the skies above or on the earth beneath, and all of their furnishings. In six days. Whether it was in the form when he put form in the first three or when he filled the void in the last three, God did it all in the six. Moses summarily comprehends that God filled the formless and the voidness, if we can make that a word, with the verse with the first verse of Genesis 2. God accomplished it by himself. Now, why is that important? It's important because he does the same thing in the second creation. 
There's something that we must realize about who God is and what He does in, in creation and in second creation. God, from start to finish in making all things, did it alone that you might learn how He does the second creation. You say, what is the second creation, Jonas? It's when He makes you and I new. If any man, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And did God do that with man's help? The answer comes no. And we learn that here, but we learn it everywhere. The Apostle Paul tells us concerning the second creation that the God who began a good work, he started it, Philippians 1, 6, will bring it to completion. And here's what we need to realize about this, and this is lovely. When you walk through the world, and as you just sang in How Great Thou Art, that hymn, and you hear the birds, and you see all around you, there is only one person to give praise and honor and glory for everything that surrounds you in creation. And it is the Lord of creation. Likewise, when you see your salvation, that you have been justified by the righteousness of Jesus, that you've been made right with Him, not of anything in yourself. You've been adopted. You've been made part of His family. You do not have anyone else to give glory and praise other than this one, the God who does it all by Himself, of Himself, for Himself. Isn't it good to know where to send your thankfulness? Don't you want to thank someone for everything around you? Don't you want to thank someone for the beauty of the days, for the greatness of the things you experience? And we learn right here that the Lord who creates all things is telling you, I am the one who should be the object of your affections and your praise. I made them. So praise me, he says. I want you to notice the progression in verse 2. Notice the progression in verse 2, and. You have to love it. So God finishes everything. And then in verse 2, and. He doesn't stop there. He teaches, he teaches us something about our weeks. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And He rested. On the seventh day, from all His work that He had done. I want you to see something very peculiar set forth before the fall, before Exodus 20, God teaches us about how He ordered His days precisely to the end for the result of rest. Work preceded rest. That is a key principle to understand even not only for your own life but to understand the gospel of what Christ accomplishes for us notice and he rested on the seventh day God did not make the heavens and the earth in seven days 
No one in all of history has said that. God made the heavens and the earth in six days, literal days. And the seventh day, he rested. Six days for creating, one day for resting. And the question becomes, well, what kind of rest is this? Because you you have to realize it is not an improper question because we see that God is self-sufficient. Our seniors brought out his self-sufficiency. We have seen it all through chapter 1. God simply speaks and from his abundance life and, and, and all that is pours forth. Because God in himself is so full. Does he rest because he has need of rest? No. Isaiah 40 verse 28, the Lord is the everlasting. God does not rest out of need. He doesn't need sleep. He doesn't doesn't need anything. He's the one who invented time itself. He doesn't need to create a day to rest upon. He is so full. God's rest does not mean that he ceased all his working either. And this is peculiar. What would happen if God ceased everything? Everything would cease. You must know that in God, God sustains the world by, what does Hebrews say? The word of his power. The world is upheld. He governs it by his providence. He cherishes and, and, and properties all, all creatures in such a way that they're constantly in need of him. He, he feeds birds. He, he causes grass to flourish. He keeps the whole world in order that the creatures might live. In Him we live and move and have our being. He clothes the lilies. He feeds the bird. He does it all. Jesus in John 5 verse 17, when He is rebuked by the Pharisees, He counters them with the the phrase saying, My Father is working until now and I am working. Works of necessity and mercy. God, every Lord's day, does not cease and rest. He does all the necessities and all the mercies. So what does it mean that he, what kind of rest is this? It's a ceasing from creation, the new, the the, the creation of new kinds of things. God did not begin a new task on the seventh day. He regulated his days in such a way that he would teach us to regulate our own days. God did not rest out of need. He rested to exemplify what we need. And you and I were not made to work seven days a week, 365. He rests in order to teach us how we ought to live our lives. And we'll learn what kind of rest it is here in just a moment. But I want to just speak to this for a moment. There is a fight for your identity and my identity every week. And we fight to actually understand who we are and we will only properly understand who we are when we actually 
understand that we must orient our, our days to be subject and submissive to Him. For instance, if you believe you have to work seven days to be fulfilled, then you're missing what you were made for. If you're finding your identity in your work, if simply you just cannot stop, you're missing the creation, what the creation itself exemplifies to you as a creature. God rests in order to call you and I to rest. He did not make you simply to robot work. He made you to come and find your enjoyment in Him. The proper ordering of our lives ought to be around the Sabbath day. We are not as important as we actually think. And if we actually stop, the world does not stop because we don't uphold the world. And God reminds us every week that we're actually not that important to creation. And we're actually not that important to everything else. And God, in, in His own gracious and good way, says every week, I want to tell you, stop. And look at me. Look at all the things I've done. Don't you want to praise me? In God resting, we see and know our ultimate need of rest. The one who exists in eternal rest would come into this world that his creatures might be restored to rest. The Lord Jesus, when he said that phrase in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, you who find your identity in all you do, come to me and look at what I've done, and I'm going to give you rest. The one who is eternal in his very being, John says, John 1, came into the cosmos, into the world he created, in order that you and I might not live in a continual state of work, but that we might actually come and find rest in him. The grace of God is not only seen in Genesis 2 in setting every week for you and I to stop and rest. It's seen in Him entering into the very creation to give us rest. Aren't you thankful for a Savior who would work for you? That you might actually enter in to the seventh day. I want you to behold your God resting upon a particular day. And I want you to behold your God blessing a particular day. See what it says in verse 3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. Now, this actually gave me pause this week. God blessed not creatures here. I want you to get this. He did not bless creatures, but rather He blessed a day. And it's not a day that happens once every blue moon, once every 20 years. He blesses a day that happens every single week. 
It has the blessing of God written upon it. There are th- this is the third time God blesses something in the Bible. God blessed Genesis 1, 22. He blessed the sea creatures and the birds. He blessed them so they'd be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1, 28. God came to man and woman and He blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the third time God comes to bless something, it's not a creature. It's a day. A day that happens all the time has the blessing of God written upon it. Doesn't that cause you pause? Isn't that amazing? A day that is to be as the first two things he blessed. He blessed the 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 sea creatures and the and the and the birds, and he blessed man and woman, and he told them to be fruitful. And here he blesses a day, a day that is to be fruitful in and of itself, that is to be fruitful and set apart for God and his people. It's lovely. Do you know the blessing of this day? Then you and I must give heed to Genesis 2 here. Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, is occurring after Genesis 1, verses 1 through 31. Shocking revelation right there. But in Genesis 1, God orients His days in such a way that when, he, when the seventh day has come, it, 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 it needs no more work. In the sense that nothing is pressing upon Him. Nothing requires from Him. And you and I ought to order our days to actually enjoy what is the Sabbath day. That way you don't sit here listening to the Word of God proclaimed and you're thinking, man, I can't believe I didn't do that this week. I really have to cut the grass as soon as I get home. It's sitting, growing, weeds. Everything tarries and waits for me. The Lord calls us to order our weeks. But I love this because the Lord orchestrates ordinary things a day in your week to hold vast blessings for you. A day each week that reminds you that salvation is not simply a future reality, but is a present possession. That Christ has not only given us rest for a future eternal day, but He has given us rest in this day, and we celebrate it every week. God often uses just ordinary things, a day the Lord's table, the reading, the preaching of the word. Faith, how, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. God uses ordinary things all the time. And he uses them for extraordinary ends. And what, what happens when a man and a woman believes? What, what happens? They, 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 they receive the, the union that is with Christ. Regenerated faith. And united to Him. The generation precedes faith. Glorious things through simple things. Why? That you might praise God. But God teaches us to order our weeks and find rest in Him. Let's see what it says. It says in verse 3, it says that, so God blessed the seventh day, and the very first time this occurs in your Bible, happens the seventh day, and made it holy. The first thing declared holy in your Bible 
is the Sabbath. The first thing that God sets upon the declaration of holiness, the thing that bears His very key attribute of Isaiah 6 is a day. And it has the meaning here of it is a day that is to be set apart for all creation. A day orchestrated to be holy for God. Many church traditions have many holy days. Christmas, Easter, etc. But here we see that we have a holy day. There's 52 of them. They happen every week. And aren't you grateful that the blessings of God happen every single week for your soul? That's how gracious God is. He would not let you go a week without remembering that He calls you to rest. And ultimately, the rest He calls you to is seen in this one fact. There's something not recorded that's actually very telling in verse, verses 1 through 3. The first six days had the little phrase, and we'll close with this. They had the phrase, and it was evening, and it was morning. The first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. But when you hit the seventh day, did you notice? There is no phrase. There is no evening and there is no morning. The author of Hebrews tells us that the reason he does not say there was evening and morning the seventh day is because God eternally exists in the seventh day. God lives in Sabbath. Everything that God is, is at rest. He is reigning and resting. And the glorious things that we are invited to here is actually seen all throughout the New Testament. That the Lord Jesus, when He's exhorting the churches in Revelation, do you remember what He says? He who conquers, I will cause to sit with me on my throne. He who conquers, I will cause him to be dressed in a white robe. He who conquers will abide in my Father's house and all these things. And you say, what is the significance? It is that you are brought in to the day in which God dwells. There is no evening, there is no morning. The author of Hebrews observes that God is in perpetual Sabbath. And Christ in His resurrection and grace, comes and calls us every Lord's Day to say, I have wrought salvation these six days. I've done the work for you. And I've entered into my rest in heaven. And I'm going to give it to you. Simply believe on me and come and enjoy the better Joshua's rest, the better Canaan, the better land, the glorious things that we have as Christians. We have eternal rest in the sun, and we're reminded of this rest every week and every Lord's Day. Amen. Well, let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for calling each of us to rest. We do pray, help us to rejoice and to rest in our Savior, who has wrought the works of righteousness that we could not, and has given us His own rest. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.